Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Today is the first part of our interview with Anna Noctuel. Anna Noctuel is a highly experienced and versatile shibari practitioner with over 18 years of experience. Her journey with shibari began as a personal discovery and has since evolved into a multifaceted practice encompassing teaching, modeling and performing. Her dedication to sharing her passion for shibari has taken her to various rope communities across Europe, teaching workshops and captivating audiences with performances since 2015. Anna's artistic journey has been deeply influenced by a diverse background. With a foundation in classic dance, she brings grace, elegance and a keen sense of body awareness to her shibari practice. Her exploration of Buddhism, Tantra and meditation, as well as her commitment to yoga, have shaped her aesthetic and philosophical approach to shibari, lending it a spiritual depth and tranquility. Being a linguist in her other life, she's constantly exploring the communicative aspects of shibari. Anna Noctuel's blend of skills, knowledge and experience make her an exceptional practitioner and educator of shibari who understand what it means to create safe and inclusive learning environments which reward inquiry, curiosity, courage, experimentation and playfulness. Now here's our time with Anna. Hello Anna and welcome on the Rope Podcast. Hello and thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. To get us started, Anna, can you tell us how you discovered rope bondage in the first place? Yes, I can. I can try. And I had a little think about this not so long ago because I kept saying um, I've been doing rope for um, about a decade. And then I at some point realized it's almost two decades now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel very old on the one hand, but also on the other hand, it gave me a reason to soul search and ask myself, when did it start, actually? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not quite sure whether it was 2005 or 2004, but somewhere around this time. And in October 2005, there was an Iraqi exhibition in London at the Barbican that I went to. Um, and... In earlier that year or the year before, um, I must have started my Shibari discovery. So for me, I set the time at 2005 together with the Iraqi exhibition. And how did it start? So I got into, introduced to it by my boyfriend back then, um, who rigged. And um, 
I, in a way, I guess I was very lucky because I experienced it before I saw any pictures. So before I even had an idea of what it was from pictures, I had my, my first first scenes. And, and then later on in 2005, the Iraqi exhibition went on and my boyfriend took me there. And for the first time, like consciously, I saw Shibari in, in photographs and pictures. And so that was kind of a really lovely coincidence and started my, my journey, basically. On the other hand, I come from a German city, Dusseldorf, that has a very large Japanese community. And I grew up with, my grandparents had Japanese friends, my parents had Japanese friends, and we had, or we still have, Japanese bookshops, restaurants, supermarkets, quite a big community. I was exposed to a lot of Japanese culture from a very early age on. I was interested in manga when I was growing up. And um, I remember that my grandmother had kabuki theater masks in her guest room that I found very, very intriguing. So there's always been some form of an undercurrent that probably has shaped some of my kinky desires in a certain way already before I discovered that shibari in and of itself is a thing. But I think, yeah, 2005 was, was the actual starting date. Speaking of kinky desires, Anna, when you got into it back around 2005, what did you feel you were getting out of it? What was attractive to you in the Being Tied experience? So I come, even from before 2005, I come from a kinky background. So we had, I had this kinky relationship with my then boyfriend that was very much grounded in the classical Western kink stuff. And, and when he introduced me to Shibari, I immediately felt that it was a very different thing. And I fell in love with it immediately because it's, I kind of relate to it as, you know, where, where, whereas other kinks are a bit more of a, a quick fix or a, I don't know, a McDonald's meal, which sounds, sounds a bit, you know, Shibari is kind of like a, a full eight course menu kind of a thing because you go, it, it's got so many layers and you go through so many, so many, yeah, your journey is so varied. So yeah, I fell in love with that because, because it was very intricate. Is it the art aspect that you enjoy? The fact that there's a process, almost sometimes a ritual and things take a certain time to do as opposed as, as you were saying, the quick fix that some other things can be? Well, I, I, I enjoy, yes, of course, there's, there's a certain enjoyment in the ritual, but you can have rituals around other kinks as well. I think the communication you have with each other is, works on a much more complex level and you can explore things on a more nuanced level with each other. And I found this very intriguing. There was also more of a, more of an, I found seeing eye to eye between top and bottom that I haven't really experienced in that way before. So that was new to me as well. And I think coming from back then, I mean, nowadays, the notion of switching or learning both sides of the rope is, is very, very accepted and almost expected when you start out that you at least try out 
both sides to maybe then settle for one. But back then it was kind of unheard of. If you were a bottom, you were a bottom. And switching was not something that was, yeah, was common or was even given a thought of. So, yeah, this, and I never really felt like I'm this, this super submissive bottom. And this having a bit more of an eye to eye level really, really worked for me. And how did your journey evolve from then until now when you're um, so experienced in so many areas? We started out, or I started out with this person and did that for a while because there wasn't, I wasn't, back then I wasn't really part of any scene or any community. There was also no I mean, you probably know that there were no rope studios as such. There were there was bed living room rope. There were people who met in met in yeah met together in in their houses and um, and when you went into into a club, there was bondage, but there was kind of a mix a wild mix of everything and uh, mostly Western bondage and it was also yeah a very BDSME set up with you know black furniture and purple walls and <laughs> that kind of stuff that didn't really feed into my my aesthetics too much so i wasn't really part of part of an active community we lived in a flat a shared flat in london in that time and we had a huge chandelier hanging in the living room that we unhooked and we used that chandelier hook as a as a hot point so please don't try this at home (laughs) (laughs) well i think the the reason why it worked is also because back then we didn't do Kinoko style 360 wild transitions around. It was all much more static and, you know, much less circusy. So, um, yeah, this is what we did back then. And at some point, or at some, yeah, at some point, um, we, our relationship ended. We split up. Um, I met my husband, who is not a rope person at all. And it's got nothing to do with it. And in the, I don't know, in the getting to know each other, um, falling in love with each other and honeymoon period, I kind of forgot all about it because there was something more important going on. And we had quite a while where we had a long distance relationship. I was working in Germany and he was based in London. And um, I kind of traveled back and forth between between Germany and London for a long time. So I had, you know, a few bits and pieces going on in Germany. When I was in London, we had our thing together. And at some point we decided that we can't keep doing this forever, this long distance relationship. And I decided to give up my job that I had in in Germany and um, move in or move in for good uh, with him in London. And that was also the time where I thought, okay, now that I'm here and that I'm probably going to be here building a base, I'd like to find some form of a more regular community. And this is when I discovered Anatomy Studio, and that was uh, 2015. They opened in 2015. Um, So within, yeah, in, in these 10 years that, between the beginnings of living room rope and then doing a few things in Germany and, you know, like very 
disconnected kind of things, but not regular stuff. Um, from 2015 on, I had a base basically, and Anatomy Studio was walking distance from from our flat, so um, that was a good and a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, for my, I mean, if they if they would have had showers in there, I probably would have moved in. Um, my husband kept joking back then. He's like, I need to write postcards to Anatomy Studio in order to get in touch with you. So I spent quite a lot of time there. And, what and from then on, the rest is history, really. Um, yeah. So what place does Rob have in your life now? I've always tried to keep Rope an enjoyable practice that is mostly... A private thing for me um, that kind of worked uh, or for a very long time it worked until it kept creeping in more and more let's just say that it, it took more and more and more room over the over the time uh, up to now we are probably 70% of my income with teaching rope um, yeah, so, and I, I never really wanted to become a full-time rope educator. Um, and I still don't want to do that. I, I still like to have a little bit of freedom of just stepping back if I want to. So, yeah, finding finding the balance is, is hard because it, it keeps creeping in and taking over your life. It's a rabbit hole and it's wonderful for that. But um, it's also, for me, it's it's a process of regularly checking in with myself and saying, okay, do I still have enough freedom in that? Do I still have enough fun myself in that without it making it too much of a, of a job? Mm. Speaking of that, do you find, Anna, that as the professional side of things took a bigger and bigger part, did that alter your private enjoyment of rope at all? Um, in so far as there is less and less time to do rope privately, just because you tend to teach in the evenings or on weekends. And as I said, my husband is not doing rope at all, so I can't combine those two things at any given point. So I always have to set time aside to make room for what we have together. And that eats away from my private rope time as well. So yeah, in so far as I, yeah, I really need to work out to find time for private rope. And you have some interesting life experiences in terms of dance, meditation, yoga, um, and many other things. And I was interested how those different experiences affected your work practice. Um, yeah, I think um, that our experiences always inform what we do to an extent, right? I try to, however, not be so attached or influenced by my past experiences that it kind of takes away the openness to to what a new practice or a different practice brings. I try, in other words, to keep a beginner's mind very much, but it's obviously A, not always possible, and B, um, experiences will always inform your psychological and somatic reactions and decision-making. So I think the classical ballet was, I mean, that was a very 
big part of my life and it also kind of fed a lot into the rope that I do and did. And on the one hand, it was a gift and on the other hand, it was a curse. I, as a, and I think a lot of dancers um, who do rope, and I think there are quite a few of, of them around, can attest to that. You learn a lot of discipline and you learn a lot of just suffering through things and rebounds from exhaustion very quickly and, you know, kind of stiff upper lip and, you know, going through things. So this kind of really didn't help me in proper letting go <laughs> and just admitting to myself that I can let go now. There was always this holding yourself up and holding yourself in a certain regard to this and um and up till now i i mean the times i've cried in rope are very very few and that's that's a shame you know it really is when i try to work on making myself more and more and more vulnerable with it um, but to break down these walls is difficult mm -hmm. um on the other hand yeah you obviously you have uh, you have you get very good knowledge of your body and what your body can do and um, you can work with that you understand the language of movement and what someone wants from you very quickly to embrace things and and you know embracing the rope and going into certain whether it's torsions or backbends you understand that it will help you to kind of go for it rather than fight it so that obviously helps it also helps that you know you probably because you understand the language of movement quite well it probably will also look good you can make things look good um but yeah from a from an emotional vulnerable side of of things um it's not always helpful to have that kind of a background. Hey dear listeners, this was just the first half of our interview with Anna Noctuel, and you can find the rest of this interview in our next episode. Thanks for listening and have fun tying.